0: Let's give the Lord a hand, amen, always good to be in his house and in his presence, amen. Looking forward to what the Lord's going to say. I might uh, blur the lines tonight uh, between preaching and teaching, but uh, I do feel like I've heard from the Lord over the last uh, day and a half and uh, just want to talk to you from my heart today and something the Lord laid on my spirit. For us tonight, so I'm taking us to the book of Second Samuel, chapter number one. Second Samuel chapter one, and we'll start reading at verse number uh, seventeen. Going to set up what the Lord's laid on my spirit uh, by uh, reading uh, a passage of Scripture to you. It's probably familiar; you've probably heard this many times. But the Scripture said, and David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. Also he bade them teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. The beauty of Israel is slain upon high, upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath, publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offering. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed. With oil, Verse 24, Ye daughters of Israel, weep over Saul who clothed you in scarlet with other delights who put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of battle? And verse 27, one more time, he says, How are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perished? I want to talk to you tonight from this thought protecting the anointing and preserving revival. Protecting the anointing and preserving revival. I believe tonight, as Pastor made mention, we're having a great time around here. And I believe we are in a strategic time and a God ordained season for this church. Over the past several weeks, we have been on a constant climb, on a steady crescendo. We have been navigating a path that has been taking us higher and higher on a service-by-service basis. And Sunday after Sunday, and even on Wednesday nights, God has been meeting with us in a mighty way. And during this season, God has employed different ways of communicating to us. He has, of course, spoken to us through pastor. A couple of Sundays ago, he spoke to us uh, very wonderfully through Brother Chase. He sent evangelists through and other outside voices. And for a couple of Sundays, the communication was just straight simply from God and directly to us as he moved over this body and over this congregation in his own sovereign way. But I want you to understand and make no mistake tonight, whether it be through the mouth of a vessel or the direct visitation and demonstration of his spirit, God is speaking to this church. He is speaking to this assembly and he is speaking to this body. And more importantly and thankfully, God is speaking to each of us as individuals. I have watched, if you will Give me a little latitude to tell you how I feel tonight. I've watched as some of you have come alive. I've watched as it seems fresh oil has run down your cheeks and a new anointing has swept over you. I've seen some of you come alive in worship as you have laid down your pride and moved obediently to the voice of God in the moment. I've watched as God has wrapped his loving arms around those who have been battling confusion and oppression and what seems to be an uncertain season. And it has been refreshing and it has been uplifting and it has been heavily needed. Hear me tonight, church. You are an amazing people and this is an amazing church. And I believe tonight that we are headed for something that is bigger and greater than what anyone knows at this very moment. But if you think that all of this just happened over the past several weeks and months, you have missed it all together. I'm not discounting what God has done. I'm not diminishing one single service. And I'm certainly not downplaying the breakthroughs that we are experienced. But what I've come to say to you tonight is we need to stay tuned and we need to stay engaged because I believe and feel tonight that God is trying to break our concepts and our patterns and make normal for us what we sometimes call special. What are you saying tonight, Brother Hodge? The last hour church must have a last hour anointing. And God is positioning us right now to be the church that he died for. What does that mean? That means for us, if we are willing, that revival will no longer be a season Revival will no longer be a scheduled series of services on our calendars, and it will not be celebrity preaching with cool message titles. It means for us, if we are ready, that the anointing is not going to be an accessory that we put on and take off at will. It won't be controlled. It won't be categorized. And it's not given to us to put on some kind of a spiritual show-off. But revival and anointing are a promise. They are a gift, and they are a necessity for where we are going. Revival simply can't happen once a year. It can't happen twice a year. It can't happen once a quarter. But revival for the church of the living God must happen on a daily basis. I wish I could teach it and I wish I could preach it tonight and impart it to you and give you a revelation of what God wants for us like never before so that what we are experiencing now would never die not just for this congregation but for each of us as individuals because tonight there is simply no doubt we are stronger when the body is healthy we are stronger tonight when we are walking in unity. And I don't completely believe that we are exactly where God is taking us, but I feel in my spirit unity gripping us. And I feel in my spirit the needle and thread of God weaving us and putting us together and knitting us together and making us one. In full disclosure tonight, some of us are still on the fence. Some of us are still watching to see what will be. But I say to this church tonight, if we will open our spiritual eyes and see tonight through the lens of the Holy Ghost and allow God to frame us and construct us and finish us, we are about to step in to end time power and revival like we have yet to see before. I wonder if anybody believes that with me tonight. I wonder if anyone can. Let Let your faith go to a level that says, I believe that God is simply up to something. Amen. The enemy has thrown his punches. He has sown his seeds. He has attempted to divide and steal and pillage what God has put together. But I heard the Lord say today in prayer, Tell them, I know what I'm up to, tell them that I have a plan, and at the end of my plan is the fulfillment of my will. Come on, somebody, I know it's Wednesday night, but I wonder if anyone believes that today. I wonder if anyone believes and understands that God is doing something in our midst. You know how unity is established in the church? It's when a bunch of anyones link up together. <laughs> anyone that can catch a hold. Anyone that can grab what God is trying to do, anyone that can muster up the faith, when those any ones begin to link up with another one and another one, come on, we can find ourselves in the place that God has called us to go. And consequently, it doesn't happen because no one believes they are the right one. And sadly, few of us have prayed to be the one, because we are so afraid of being the wrong one that we're scared to step out to be the right one. I'm telling you tonight, God said, with my anointing, anyone can be the right one. And with my power, no one is the wrong one. I hear you. Oh, you don't know my story, and you don't know where I came from, or you don't know where I've been through. Let me help you. The difference in the two is an understanding that just as God's mercies are made new every morning, we need to drag our dead carcasses before Christ every single day day and when we get there we need to pray the prayer that david prayed renew in me o oh lord something on the inside of us has got to smell the rottenness of the flesh on the outside of us and drive us to the throne where we can be made new and it must occur every single day it's a new touch It's a new anointing, it's a new song, it's a new praise because revival, what we've termed it as is simply the name of the cycle of life that the child of God experiences. And if we could ever really understand it and settle it and realize how important it is in our life, we would know that if revival ever ceases for the church, we are our petty Pentecostal practices wouldn't matter so much our lives wouldn't be marked with seasons with extreme highs and almost unrecoverable lows come on somebody when we bring in an evangelist today he's so far off of his job description many times we don't even know if he's a good one or not Because in reality, he is by definition a gatherer. His role is to help us gather. Gather what? The harvest that we have planted. Seed that we have sown as God's people that has come ripe and ready to be harvested and gathered in. But sadly, when the evangelist comes to town, he's got to spend all of his energy reminding us of who we are. He's got to spend all of his time digging us out of our pits, and out of our pity parties, and out of our graves that we seldom ever make it to the harvest. And in so doing, we fulfill the fear of the Lord that yet again another harvest is lost because the laborers are too few and too weak to bring it in and too weary to reap. And the scavengers come and they devour what is ours and we're relegated to survive on a picked over field and we never see the bounty of God's provision like He has provided for us, but simply only the brutality of Satan's pillage. I've come tonight to declare we are not that people. We are not that people. We are not going to be confined to a cycle of confusion, but we will be triumphant in the abundance of fresh anointing. I wish somebody would get mad in their spirit and let the enemy know that he has confused us and confounded us long enough. God is giving us fresh insight. God is giving us fresh revelation. God is giving us a fresh flow of his anointing and it's time for us to step under it and understand that what the enemy has controlled for too long, God is ready for us to step up and take control of for ourselves. Anybody understand what I'm saying tonight? I want the enemy to know you've had my children long enough. You've had my health long enough. You've had my finances long enough. You've had me in your grip long enough. But I'm smart enough and I'm spiritual enough to recognize and see what God is trying to do in in this place. Come on, tonight, your mind ought to be renewed. Tonight, your heart ought to be restored, and your strength ought to be revived. Why? Because you ought to have your memory. You ought to be able to think back and remember to all the things that God has promised. Come on, somebody needs to feel that fresh oil run hot and fresh on you again. Oh, come on, somebody, how long has it been since you felt that anointing flow over you like you felt it the first time? How long has it been since the oil has refreshed you and restored you and repaired you? Come on, where it flowed into old wounds and it soothed some old sores and it got through into some old pains. Come on, somebody. That's where we've got to get to, and that's where God is moving us to. I want the enemy to know that every word God gave me is still mine. And sadly, because of the hour we live in, we've become too distracted with trouble, and we've become too preoccupied with hurts and disappointments that we forget our promise. I want you to remember what he told Abraham. He said, I am thy shield and thy exceeding grace reward. What he was saying is, I'm your protector and I'm your provider. I'm your defense and I'm your delight. I'm your guard and I'm your gain. Everything that you need, Abram, is within me. And if you'll just trust me and step out on my word, you won't even need to go with a sword in your hand because your faith is going to fight for you. And your obedience And your confidence in me will compel me to keep my word toward you. Just walk, Abraham. Just get up every morning and follow my voice. Just get up and trust that I know where I'm taking you. And I know where I'm leading you. I know I've asked you to leave everything. I know I've asked you to get up and pack up. But I want you to know I'm a God that will keep you. And not only will I keep you, if you stay faithful to me, I'm going to compensate you. Come on, somebody. We've got to go back to the beginning and remember who it is that we started out on this journey with in the first place. And know that every enemy and every obstacle. We'll have to bow to the word that he spoke to us. Come on, somebody. I said it Sunday. We get too far removed from our season of deliverance. It's time we remember what God has said and what God has spoken and what God has promised and walk boldly in what he has said to us. See, you don't have to understand it. That's the beauty of God. Matter of fact, he said, there's a level that my people can get on that's better than understanding anyway. He said, my peace passeth understanding. It exceeds it. It goes beyond it. Sometimes people look around and they're faced with situations and they say, I just can't understand it. You might be in the best place you can possibly be because there's a peace that you can find. When you can't find understanding and you can't figure it out and you don't understand it, God can simply wrap his arms around you and take you through it and give you peace. Because you don't have to understand it, you just have to trust it. Because if you walk in agreement with him, the scripture still promises that no weapon, no weapon, no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Now here's what you got to understand. Sometimes the weapon is defeated before I see it. Sometimes the weapon is destroyed after I've felt it. Sometimes he waits until I've contended with it for a little while. But I can stand here today and say, as long as I've been with him, it's never prospered. Anybody got that testimony today? Come on, why? Because I just believe his word. His word still said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against it. His word still said, rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. His word still said, when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be light unto me As in all things, he will be with me always. I don't know about you today, but that gives me great faith. And that gives me great hope. And that gives me great trust that no matter what is coming, the Lord has it already in control. So our text tonight tells us of the death of Saul. This description of Saul's death is actually the words to a song, and although the psalmist is well known for writing hymnals and praises to God, this particular song that we have used as a text tonight is not a song of praise. It is not a song of adoration, and it is not a song of thanksgiving, but it is a song that would become a funeral song. You see, it was customary for people in that day to greatly mourn or lament the death of royalty and kings and great warriors. And as part of that custom or to express their grief and sorrow, they would comprise a funeral song that would be written by which the nation or the people could remember the one that had died. And as we stand here tonight, Reading from 2 Samuel on the perfect perch of hindsight, we peer back through the veil of time this evening and we are looking into the funeral song of a king by the name of Saul. He had been engaged in a battle. It was the battle of his life. So hot this battle was that it finalizes with Saul lying dead on the ground. And while the blood is still soaking into the soil, the song is already being written about the life of King Saul. Ironically, it's being written by the man that will become his successor, the man that bore the anointing that Saul had lost, the man that would sit on the throne that Saul had occupied for years without the anointing. And while the blood was still soaking into the dirt, David was writing. And we pick up tonight from the psalmist as he is pinning his memorial of the fallen king. And we find something repeating. Because three times in this very short lamentation, he keeps coming back to one phrase. How are the mighty fallen? How are the mighty fallen? Then he writes a few more lines and lyrics and then he repeats the hook. Oh, how are the mighty fallen? He tries to move forward, but he can't seem to pull away from the fact that there's a mighty man's blood still wet on the ground. And he circles back one more time. Oh, How are the mighty fallen? I would like to submit to you tonight that I don't really believe that this was a statement, but more, it was a question. How are or how have the mighty fallen? You see, David couldn't wrap his head around it. It didn't make sense to him. He didn't understand. Saul was a mighty man. Saul was anointed. Saul was God's chosen. How are the mighty fallen? How did this happen? I can almost hear David reasoning it out in his mind. Saul was bigger than this, and Saul was stronger than this, and it Didn't make sense to him. How did he fall to this battle? And how did he fail in this? And David was writing this in frustration and disillusionment almost from the viewpoint of knowing what Saul was at one time. See, he wasn't seeing Saul as a fallen man. But he was remembering Saul as the anointed leader. He knew the word from the Lord. Touch not Mine anointed. And even David, who seldom and often disagreed with Saul and the things that he had done, he still or he never would put his hand to him because he saw him as God's anointed vessel. See, David knew Saul before he got off track and he could go back to Saul's life when he was head and shoulders above the rest might give him a superiority complex. But no, back then Saul's spirit was right and he was humble. Hear me tonight God didn't anoint the man Saul became, he anointed the man Saul was the humble man, the man small in his own eyes, the man that he had during. The selection process, not because he was evil, but because he was right. He was exactly who God wanted to fill the position that the people demanded. God didn't miss it with Saul, but he anointed a man. Hear me please tonight. He anointed a man that was humble. But sometime after he was anointed, his humbleness began to erode. And who he was when he was anointed took a back seat to who his pride made him think he was. I know pride is a sore subject today, but the Bible still declares that a haughty spirit, a haughty spirit comes before a fall and pride precedes destruction. May I re-echo this admonition from the scripture tonight, 1 Corinthians 10 and 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. It's a biblical mandate that we never get so confident that we fail to remember that without him, we are all vulnerable to this fate. Within myself, I'm just another victim on Satan's hit list. But as long as I am in Christ tonight, I am behind a shield that the enemy can't advance through. So I ask the question again, how are the mighty fallen? How? If our God is so mighty, how do we fall? If our God is so great, how do we fall? I can tell you tonight how it happened for Saul. He had some pride problems. And we would be well served to remember that we need him. That we can't do anything without him. And here is the key and what I'm trying to say tonight. A one-time anointing. Is not enough. I need another anointing. You need another anointing. We need another anointing. Come on, we can't afford to ever let a service go by without getting a fresh anointing and touch from the throne of God. There are some tonight, sadly, that in the midst of all God has been doing, Around here, in the face of his drawing and pulling and attempts to move us, you still haven't gotten anointed yet. I don't understand it. Maybe we're content to sit in our pride. Maybe we're content to sit in our confidence. Maybe we believe in a one-time anointing that has long dried up. If you think you can make it, that you're big enough and strong enough that you will survive, I've got news for you tonight. Don't let your pride fool you. Without the anointing, you are but one battle away from the reality of a funeral song that will leave everyone that knows you wondering, how have the mighty fallen? That which was once strong, that which was once stable, that which was once so encouraging is now discouraging because you seem so strong, but you were never so weak. Come on, Pentecostals. Our pride is weakening us in this hour. Our pride is destroying us in this hour. Our self-righteousness is killing us in this hour. Some of you haven't been in the aisles so long that it's become nothing more than a pathway to your prison. Can I just talk to you from my heart today? It leads you to your pews of ease, your pew of conscience soothing. Yeah, you're in the building, but you're really not here. Because if you would be honest, you truly long for a new touch. You truly long to feel the freshness of God again. You truly long for that oil to run over you again. Maybe you're wondering what everyone will think. Maybe they'll think I was backslidden. Maybe they'll imagine all kind of things. Maybe they'll know the enemy is after me. News flash, he's after all of us tonight. He's been knocking on my door this week as hard as he's been knocking on yours. I promise you. But I learned a principle from this familiar story and I'm I'm getting ready to wrap up with this. They're only going to sing the funeral song for me if I forget what has won all of my other battles. Because the reason... We're singing Saul's last song tonight is because he went to the battlefield in his pride and not in his anointing. His humility and his recognition of his own weakness died the day after he was anointed. How do you know? Because his actions declare he was content with a one-time anointing. Saul would rather sit on the throne before people rather than bow at a throne before God. Samuel even diagnosed him with these words, when thou wast little in thine own sight. How are the mighty fallen? How does revival die? How do you lose your anointing? I'll tell you tonight, when you start thinking, you can do it by your. Saul is itching to go to battle The prophet said, no, you got to wait till I get there I've got to offer a sacrifice unto the Lord But Saul was bigger than the prophet And he lit a fire in front of the people It was a counterfeit, it was a show, it was a sham Why? Because he had no authority to offer a sacrifice so he settled for a fire and a smoke screen that could have resulted in the death of everyone there. And God said, let him know this will never happen again. And the kingdom was rent from his hands because God will never allow his people to ever get to a place where we don't need But David, the man after God's own heart, although he can't believe it, that this mighty man has fallen, he is of a different spirit. And he knows, I've got to teach those that I will lead to respond differently. So he instructs them in the middle of the songs, get some bows teach our children the ways of the bow. I want them to have understanding of the thing that took down a king. And oh, by the way, while they are learning, shut up about what has happened. Don't say a word while we're figuring this out. And while we are trying to make sense of this tragedy and what has befallen us, keep your mouth shut. We don't want the enemies to get word. We don't want our enemies to hear about what has happened. Lord, help us, Jesus. Oh, come on. It's a shame when we want to be the first one to get to Facebook. to report the news of someone who's made a mistake. Come on now. There should be no pleasure in seeing anyone that's a part of the kingdom of God fall. There should be no joy. There should be no place for that to be something we would want to broadcast. In fact, how you respond speaks volumes about your spiritual condition. Remember this, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You know why that doesn't happen like it should among us? We're too carnal. Because when we view ourselves through the lens of his spirit, we will have no desire to throw stones and start executing people. Let me hurry tonight. So he says, we're going to teach against the things that can kill us. And we're going to do our best to prevent this in our future. And we're going to learn from this grievous mistake. When Saul trusted in his own ability, The shield failed. And it was violently thrown aside as a statement. And what was seen in the natural, I believe, as a word from the heavens, as this. The only true shield that you have is me. And I'm saying to some today, you can't do this alone. And if you don't allow God to anoint you afresh... One day, out on a battlefield that you should have walked off of, they are going to find your body ravaged and discarded like all the rest that had never been anointed in the first place. I'm telling you tonight, there's a fresh anointing in this house. And the Lord spoke to me today as I prepared this message that if we wanted it, He was willing to give a fresh anointing. Brother Hodge, you don't know what I've been up against. You don't know what I've survived. You don't know the enemies that are attacking me right now. You're right, I don't. But I do understand this principle. And tucked right into perhaps one of the greatest funeral songs of all times, David solidified it for the ages. It's another funeral song that we sing in Psalm 23. He said this, In the presence of my enemies, You spread a table to feed me. You anoint my head to keep. It's no surprise when David, in the very next chapter, chapter 2 of 2 Samuel, uh, when he he gets to this uh, place, he is about to assume the throne of Judah before they even had buried Saul you will find him being anointed. He had already been anointed. Why was he being anointed again? Samuel had already stopped by and anointed him one time. But David knew, and he had learned a principle from Saul's death. Once is not enough. And I'm telling this great church tonight, when we stop seeking his anointing, the mighty will fall. And revival will die. I don't know about you tonight. But I've come too far to give up on God. I've come too far tonight to, to lay down. And someone rejoice over me that the mighty have fallen. I want the anointing to be fresh in my life every day. I want his mercies to be made new and fresh every day. Come on somebody. I don't want to forget where I've come from, but I want to remain humble and seek His face and allow Him to exalt me in due season. We have got to come to a place where we protect our anointing. We've got to preserve and protect the anointing. So the question is, how do we do it? We do what David did. Every time we get in his presence, we allow him to anoint us anew and afresh. And if we will do that, I promise you that the miracles we are seeing and the things that we are experiencing right now, God will preserve them and God will keep them. But it comes down to an individual Basis, where we make up our minds individually and collectively. If when we come together, will we be satisfied with what he's done in the past? Will we be satisfied with all the great things he has given us? Or will we pursue and will we seek that anointing again? Come on, there never ought to be a time when we come together that we are in complete pursuit of all That God has for us. Come on. I want this atmosphere of revival to continue. I want my children to grow up seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost. On a a week by week basis. But it's going to come down to us deciding. I'm going to protect the anointing. So revival can continue. I'm going to do my part and do my Work and my diligence so that this atmosphere can continue. And if we will do that tonight, I promise you, God will preserve this atmosphere and we will see the fullness of God's plan for us. Do you believe that tonight? Come on, somebody. Do you believe it? Why don't you stand with me tonight? Amen. Come on, let's give him a little praise in this place. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, today for those that are hungry. I thank you for those that have come today, I pray, God, that you would continue to pour out your Spirit and anoint us and move us into greater things than ever before. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing and thank you, Lord, for all that you are going to do. Lead us and guide us and direct us to play our role in this and we will give you the praise and the glory for all that you have done. Clap your hands and give him praise again tonight. God bless you.